Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. The purpose of this show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a walk in their stilettos so we can continue to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what inspires me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest, we have Amoy Henry. She is a producer of content, public health and wellness uh, professional, and a strategic partnerships facilitator. She's the co-founder and executive producer of the Afro-Chic Cultural Arts Festival, running almost 10 years strong, and has been successful with those events sold out in Canada, the U.S., and Africa is coming up next. Well, she's actually, she's featured with the Afro-Chic show, headliners like Jadena, Erica Badu, Wale, Tidra Moses, and more. And she's been recognized by CBC as one of Canada's 150 Black women making history, as well as the Honorable Jean Augustine's. Uh, she's been one of Canada's 100 accomplished Black women. Please welcome to the show, Amoy Henry. Hey, girl. <laughs> How are wow, you? Wow, <laughs> when you read it in your voice, it's like, Wow, thank you so much, Makini. I'm so, uh, you just start, I just feel so amazing just to be here with you. I'm just so grateful. So honest. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and agreeing to share your story. And the reason why, you know, I wanted to make sure I highlighted some of those things is because you come across as very humble with your accomplishments. So Thank you. You seem like someone who likes to be on the back end. So I wanted to make sure I highlighted some of those things so people know the greatness that you've been up to. Wow. Thank you so much, Liz. I appreciate it. Um, You're I think, welcome. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I definitely am kind of stepping out into kind of this world of documentation and sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really apprehensive about it in the past because you know, we get that little sound in our head or that little noise in our head that, you know, you haven't accomplished anything yet. You ain't it yet. Mm-hmm. Just wait, just wait. And I kind of, you know, I, I, I got some great mentors in my life and some great like spiritual warriors who really just been breathing life into me and just kind of lifting me up and telling me that, no, you actually need to really start to document and record yourself and and, and share your, your wins and your losses more. Yes, so that's definitely. That's what this is about now, just stepping out in faith and trusting, you know, trusting people with solid platforms like yours that will help me deliver my story to the, to the right, in the right way. I love it. I love it. And your story definitely needs to be told. And that is why we are having this conversation today. So all the women who come on the show, I like to start by this uh, icebreaker question. Because with all of the titles and the wonderful things that you ladies have been up to, I feel that there's a title that doesn't get enough recognition. And that is your name. So do you know what your name means? My name means little girl in Chinese. Oh. So Amoy, yes, I know. And it is like a lot of people hear my name and think it's like uh, Nigerian. So I think... I don't know. My mom had me really young. She was a teenage mom. 
she came up with this name and it just has so much power in it I think like even when I say my name it just people ask where am I from what's my background um I have like you know some Chinese Jamaican ancestry and I think that kind of inspired um you know my name so that's that's my name I love it I love it I love it I tried to google it and I was like I can't find it I hope she knows what it means (laughs) yeah I I learned I asked questions when I was younger and I was able to figure it out so Nice. Okay. So like I said before, you know, from my perspective, you know, you seem to work a lot behind the scenes to make big things happen. So I'm sure that there's people who know you that may not even know the extent of your story. So I want to jump right in and I want you to share with us, like, how did you get to where you are today to, you know, be able to have all those recognitions and to partner and work with all these amazing artists and produce such an amazing platform. So everything is, you know, like I'm, I'll just come out and say I'm in my early thirties. Um, I had no plans or desire to get into the kind of entertainment world uh, in the, the current capacity that I'm in it. Um, I went to university, did my degree in political science and communications, all the way in um, Hamilton, Big Up McMaster. (laughs) Um, From there, I kind of left. uh, Once I came back to Toronto, I had a circle of close friends that I maintained a relationship with from high school. And we went to a performing arts high school called Etobicoke School of the Arts. We all had like a specific um, focus. at our school, so my, I was a music major, and then um, my girlfriend, one was dance, one was theater, one was art, and we kind of just came together as four Black women who experienced marginalization and all kinds of different isms uh, throughout our high school experience, and we wanted to do this event that really platforms Black women and Black hair, and the whole experience was about the art and the the, the sensuality, the beauty of, of Black womanhood. And we were 21, 22 years old and we were thinking of these concepts. And so I know that, Rick, uh, what's his name? Chris Rock had come out with this documentary called Good Hair. Right. And we were really, we were really offended by how, you know, the Black woman's hair journey was presented in that it portrayed us as being insecure or unhappy and having to kind of find solace and confidence in hair that wasn't ours. So we looked at it as an opportunity, right, to kind of challenge that narrative. In addition to that, there were not enough spaces back in 2010, 2009. This is the pre-Trayvon uh, Martin, Mike Brown era mm-hmm. on social media and pre-Instagram. There were no spaces that were actively and, you know, very strongly conveying the message of in celebration of Black womanhood. And we, we thought that, okay, well, no one's doing it. So we have a gap. There's a gap. We have to fill it. And that's exactly what we kind of, um, we put together with Afrashik. So my girlfriends and I, you know, we evolved as people. I continued on with the company. Three of them kind of transitioned on to their own stuff. Uh, one of them is now like the executive director of this incredible theater company called Peace of Mind Arts. Another is a mother to um, a lovely, lovely two little boys. 
and she's like still in the arts world um, in a manager arts capacity. And the, the other is um, a businesswoman, so an entrepreneur. So we've all kind of gone on to do their own thing, our own things. But I continued on uh, with Afrochic because I felt like I grew so, um, I grew, it grew with me. I grew with it, you know, like Afrochic mm-hmm. really helped to develop my relationships and help me become the woman that I am today being like quote-unquote influential or um, being able to maneuver and network through spaces that doors may otherwise have closed on me right Right. so um, through that I you know I took a break in 2014 after uh, doing Afrochic for five years self-funding every single dollar that went into Afrochic came from my own pockets or I would engage uh, community support um you know to the tune of like three hundred dollars five hundred dollars but I was finding that every year I spent upwards of six thousand to I think nineteen thousand dollars of my own money to wow this production and I would always end up um losing so like it was not revenue generating for me in the first five years and it Mm -hmm. was a constant struggle between do I continue to do this content that's needed in the community that I know that people come out for or do I just focus on my career in healthcare which has given me the opportunity to buy homes given me an opportunity to travel develop an investment portfolio meet people and kind of expand myself as a professional in the corporate world Mm -hmm. so I was juggling those two things right McKinney like it was like my stability and my structure and then on the other side my passion Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to figure out how to make them um, bounce off of each other or kind of fuel each other until I took a long break for about two years. And then 2017 came up with this, you know, strategy around revenue generating uh, streams for AfroChic and um, really started to think through uh, the business model, uh, going after partnerships with brands going after funding with the government that was available to us and afforded to us that we were not aware of. And that's kind of what has um, launched me into this position now where I, I see where I went wrong in a sense, or I see the challenges that I had. And now it's my responsibility, my duty and my passion to support other people, support other founders and business owners in finding ways to fill the gaps that they experience because I'm, I'm able to understand, I'm able to kind of sift through the red tape and all the bureaucracy of, you know, government funding and all that stuff because I didn't know it was available to us. I didn't explore it. So now that I do, why not share that, right? Right, so that's right. part of my business now. Wow. Okay, so a couple of things that stuck out to me, you know, where you pointed out that the first five years it wasn't revenue generating, but you still continue to put it on because it was your passion and it was needed. That speaks a lot to who you are and your character. I know a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs or want to do things, they're so quick to to quit, even if they have their why in place. They're very quick to quit. And when I tell my story of my first year of being an entrepreneur in the first eight months, working my behind off every single day, and not earning a dime, people are like, well, why would you go into the office every single day for eight months and not make any money? But I was passionate mm. about it, right? Yep, <laughs> so for you yep. to do that for five years, like that's passion. And to know that it wasn't about you because you were filling a gap. Sometimes it's bigger than us. Way, like, bigger, than way us. bigger than us. Yeah. And I love that you see that. 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that at first because at the time I was so young and I'm a part of the quote unquote millennial generation. So in my mind, instant gratitude, instant glamorization, instant mm-hmm. um, validation is something that consumes us, right? Like we're on social media and we'll post the photo. If we don't get a hundred likes in the first two hours, <laughs> oh my God, we're mm-hmm. not we're nothing. We have I call you guys yet. the microwave generation. <laughs> we are. And so I had to come to terms with that that, you know, my reward is not for me and it's not now. It's going mm-hmm. to come. And I think taking a step back and really going for some personal healing and some personal development really was able to ignite this um, the sense of the sense of this overwhelming sense of duty in me mm-hmm. to bring the content back as you know in in a bigger way and so when we came back it was just like bro we're not playing games like You're right. we are getting the funding every single person is getting paid nobody's doing this for free and on top of it we have to develop sustainable revenue generating models because black work and you know black content is so underfunded but Mm -hmm. we are the cultural gatekeepers right like we design and we kind of create like these um these systems right and then the you know sorry to say this but like the status quo people they come through and they develop the infrastructure and they have the money Mm -hmm. so they can kind of prop up themselves but we are the, the gatekeepers of these of this content so I was very, very clear on the fact that if we're bringing this back, it's on our terms. Um, it's from our relationships. It's from, and I'm going to continue to platform Black talent. I know I got so much flack when I came out with After Chic at the beginning of Why? You know, when we first started. I had so many people who were like, this is separatist, you're racist, <sighs> this is not supporting the overall community. So a lot like I had like a woman who um, had wanted to be in the show and she had an incredible line of clothing. I'm not going to go into super specifics, but she had a really dope line of clothing, but she was not a black woman. And Mm -hmm. she felt like, and she was offended at the fact that she had like a mixed child. And I said, of course, your daughter can model in the show, but as a woman that's not black, um, your clothing cannot be, you can't bend and you can't display your clothing. This is a platform Mm -hmm. for underserved black people and you have multiple platforms like you can go to any show in Toronto and you'll be picked first Mm -hmm. you know you'll get any platform you get any opportunity but um it's often unfortunate that you know she she took offense to it and wanted to start a campaign against me and my own black women were like you know propping her up and saying yeah after she is racist they're not supporting and blah blah and then Michael Brown happened. Mm. And then social media came up with this concept, Black Lives Matter. And all of a sudden, it was cool to be pro-Black. It was cool mm. to celebrate and have this resonance and kind of this protection around Black culture. So where I wasn't getting funding before, Mahini, I wasn't getting support or people were complaining about the little $20 ticket. I had mm-hmm. people like, yo, you need to bring Chic back. We need this. Black everything. Black Lives Matter. This, this, this. Protect Black women at all costs. And I'm like, wow, where were you guys five years ago when I was spending all these costs by myself and you guys were crying about $20 tickets, right? Right, right. Everything has its season. I never hold anything against anybody. I'm so forgiving because people have been so forgiving to me. And Mm -hmm. I've learned that everything just is cyclical, right? We're all in a cycle. We're in a cycle 
of awareness right now. We're in, mm-hmm. a, in an era where everybody is super vigilant about everything. And so I just have to learn. Um, I've, I've had to learn how to tap into that and kind of um, embrace that and use that as um, a landmark with which to, you know, launch my products and launch my business. Right. And so it, it, it works right now for me. So even as you ended with those exact words, it works right now for me, that makes me want to ask you, okay, so you were the one out of all of the other women that you started out with that decided to stick with this. You made the sacrifices, you know, you did the groundwork and you did what needed to be done in order to get funding and to continue to hold that space. How do you feel? I have no regrets. I'm so blessed. Okay. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. And the relationships that I have as a result of maintaining this mm-hmm. has, has affirmed me as a, as a spiritual person. It has affirmed me and kind of made me feel like I'm on the right path. And my relationships with my homegirls who started this have even strengthened because now we don't have that heavy burden of doing business together where God doesn't design us to be on a path with our friends for every single thing. Sometimes our friends are just meant to bring us to the door and we're supposed to go through by ourselves. But then when we get to the top of that office building, we send over a rope and help our friends over. Like, you know what I mean? Like we Mm -hmm. have different ways to get to our end goals and I think that I know why now I went through all the things that I went through because if I didn't go through all the things that I went through I wouldn't be able to sit in offices um, with CEOs who own 20 billion dollar companies and and pitch them on AfroChic and talk to them about our brand or top art galleries in the city calling us or top beverage companies contacting me or you know you know, multi, multi, very successful people reaching out to me to, you know, what should I invest in? What should I get behind? What should I put my money in? Like, I would never have been afforded those opportunities if I had not gone through all the petty little things that I went through in my younger ages. I would not have the, the backbone or the strength. I would just crumble. So everything just makes you stronger and, and just affirms you as a person. So everything that you went through gave you the strength to pull up a chair at the tables where they least expected you to be sitting at. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even now you're called upon, you're Mm -hmm. called upon as that diversity or cultural um, advocate. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm in the room, McKinney, and I'm the only woman or I'm the only person of color or I'm the only woman and person of color at once. And I'm expected to like, you know, have a certain level of diction and tact and presence, present myself a certain way. And I know that, you know, I've been groomed for this. I've been mm-hmm. groomed for this. This is my life. This is what I was made to do. And so I've, I've learned to embrace it now, you know. I can totally resonate with what you're saying, because the more that I grew in the space of personal development and spending time around my mentor, Bob Proctor, and coaching in certain spaces, especially around coaches who are charging, you know, premium prices, I am many times the only black woman in the room or the only black person Mm. in the room. So I can totally understand what you're saying there. Wow. So uh, I wanted to speak to your work with fundraising because you've helped to secure approximately $1.5 million in funding for local entrepreneurs and community organizations. So I wanted to get into fundraising. 2 million now. Oh, girl. 
Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. So what do you Um, want people to know about the importance of fundraising? The importance of fundraising is no one owes you anything. Mm -hmm. Bottom line. That's what I, that's what I, I start off with when clients reach out to me, why is your case most compelling and what is it that you offer that somebody else doesn't? What is your brand about? What is your, your end goal? Um, brands want to align with companies or with vehicles that can drive a strong ROI for them. Mm-hmm. And when you're coming from the space of, you know, the nonprofit sector, it's a completely different conversation. The nonprofit sector is really convoluted. You know, there's a lot of people going after the same dollars, the same resources, and um, it's almost exploitative in a sense when they kind of push out certain um, grants because mm-hmm. they give you a small pot of money and they expect us as Black people or, you know, diverse racialized people to clamor over the small little pot of money. So we have to get creative and very distinctive about how we engage funding. And that that birthed this, this concept of brand partnership. So fundraising to me looks like, what can I do as sort of um, a brand or as a company to bring the highest value to this brand that's throwing money at me to, to put their name out there or to introduce my audience um, my potential audience as future advocates of their brand. Mm-hmm. So I would say one of my, the, the number one thing when people reach out to me, I always say, and I'll repeat it again is no one owes you anything. So why you, you know, right. and we have to be able to build that story. Like why, why you, why you, um, mm-hmm. recently I did a big concert, uh, 4,000 people sold out. I was engaged. Um, a couple months ago to bring in uh, brand sponsorship and the concert McKinney when I first looked at the proposal and I looked at everything I was concerned I'll be 100% honest with you I was like okay this is a this is an industry this is a musical genre that is not necessarily um, commercialized enough for us to pitch the most commercial brand but it is on the come up and there is an opportunity here in that there's a novelty in it, you know? And so mm-hmm. I kind of went through that angle. I was like, okay, let me try to see if we can do the novelty play. But we had so many restrictions with the venue, with, you know, being an all ages concert with the artists and some of the um, radius things that he was locked into as it relates to different brands he's already partnered with, that it closed off our, our opportunities drastically. So when mm. we went to engage a large luxury sports brand, they were interested and they were willing to do the work. But then things kind of collapsed when we had to do a lot of paperwork um, that kind of, you know, ran against timelines. So I was forced in a position where I had to get super creative. And what did we do? We engaged jewelry brands. We engaged, you know, money transfer services. We engaged food brands. Um non-alcoholic beverages we had to get creative so Mm -hmm. number one thing another thing that I I would say not number one in fundraising and raising capital for projects number one always think about the value always think about the ROI for the the company that's giving the money how can you give them the biggest bang for their buck possible and number three I would say is make sure you have a long-term relationship in mind Mm -hmm. don't go after something that you just want a one-shot one-kill deal 
Um, right. Now that I've been able to facilitate this partnership conversation for this concert, you know, the brands that we brought to them may be interested in doing research stuff and there could be an opportunity to have like a multi-year partnership for different things, right? So you have to get creative. You have to be willing to go out of your shell. You have to do a lot of research. You have to understand your demographic completely in and out, understand what they like to buy, what they like to consume, what they will become advocates for and allies for. Um, you have to understand if you're introducing to them to a new product, how will they then use this experience or this activation to then be um, selling that product to their friends or promoting it online and using the digital space to sell it? Okay, how important to you is it to invest in yourself and projects? Ooh, that is such a good question. And I'm still trying to figure out the balance. I'm still finding balance as it relates to that. Um, I think they go hand in hand. So on a personal level, I have my personal bleeds into my professional and sometimes my professional bleeds into my personal if I don't have my life balanced, right? Mm. So if I notice that my house is untidy or it's not clean or I have a lot of mail that I haven't checked because I travel so often, I come home and I just have so much mail to go through. And then sometimes I don't even have two days where I'm sitting home. I'm literally just going to get up and fly out. So mm-hmm. I'll come back home to all of that and I'll be really like overwhelmed or like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm so all over the place. So to answer your question, I would say you have to do the work. You have to prepare your mind for the type of life that you want to live. You cannot seek out a life um, that you want to live professionally that is not holistically in line with the life that you're living personally because the energy will bleed through your disorientation, your lack of organization, um, feeling overwhelmed, being stressed out, that will rub off on people and people pick up on energy easily. And that's how I used to be. Like I used to be just a very overwhelmed, scattered person. And I would be like constantly having the jitters because I have so much on my mind. I have so much to do. But once I, once I began to welcome order into my life and create like schedules and kind of hold myself accountable through strong relationships with mentors and good friends, I was able to calm the chaotic, the chaos down and really orient myself. So I would say finding balance is key. Always having a good structure, having a good schedule, having check-ins with friends, having a good diet. Oh my gosh, that is so (laughs) key. Like entrepreneurs have to, you know, think about it. Like sometimes, it sounds really it might sound like really like out there but like your diet and your lifestyle habits are directly impacting your finances Mm -hmm. you know what I mean they're directly impacting the way you engage people your energy levels how you conduct yourself outside like it's 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 all tied into the way we eat what we consume what we put in our minds you have a lot of clogginess in your mind if you have a lot of clogginess in your body you can't function how do you think you're going to perform when you're meeting a client or engaging somebody how do you think you're going to sleep at night you can't sleep at night so it's important to take that time to balance yourself and to help um, strengthen yourself uh, physically working out in the gym even if you have to see a nutritionist if you have to get a trainer I would say like getting a trainer and getting a nutritionist is just as important in business Mm -hmm. as getting a financial advisor, a lawyer, and an accountant. 
or a business plan. Like those things, they all go hand in hand. It's all about personal development, right? Yes, of course. It's all about personal development. So when you, when you said, you know, what you eat, what you put into your body directly affects your business and the money you make. I had to think about that for a second. Cause I always, you know, tell people like what you eat and what you consume and all that, it affects your health and how you think. But I, yeah. I didn't, you know, directly connect it until you said it just now. I was like, huh. Yeah. Okay. I see that. I see that. I was reading this somewhere and I can't remember the specific quote, but if you're filled with junk, right. Or if you're filled with um, things that are not bringing, you know, healthy stuff into you, you're not going to be able to digest it properly. Right. And that affects your mentality. It affects how you negotiated things, how you move with things. And I don't know if this is my personal experience, but I know that, um, when it comes to doing business deals or when it comes to working on things or, you know, pursuing things that are kind of outside of me that I'm scared about, it always comes back to how I feel inside about myself, how I'm of feeling, how I'm eating. And confidence uh, can break down. Mm-hmm. Confidence is easy to break down in business. And as entrepreneurs, I don't know about you, but like having the confidence to, you know, even be an entrepreneur is really, really a mental thing. Yes, it is. You, you know, know it's, all, it's all tied in. My a lot of the the women that I coach, I have to spend a good amount of time breaking down to them self image because there's two images we hold of ourselves, which is the one on the outside that we project to the world and let them see the superficial, and the image that we hold on the inside, how we feel about ourselves, how we really see ourselves. And that's the image that affects how well we do in business because it affects the opportunities that we go after that we think we deserve. You know, it affects Mm. our confidence, how we walk, how we talk, you know, the rooms and the confidence in which we step into those rooms. Absolutely. It's it's documented, like being unhealthy impacts your finances. It's real. And not to say that business is made up or kind of just founded upon finances, but I know that people, you know, all of my friends, who, you know, are entrepreneurs and who the people that I find to be the most successful, they have ways of eating and treating their bodies mm-hmm. that resonate and radiate with the people that they engage with on a business level. Mm-hmm. And they're happier people. Definitely. They're more, um, they're more, they make decisions that are logical, grounded, right? So... Your body needs to be fed fuel. It needs nutrients in order to produce. It's like having a car and you're running with that car on empty all the time. You're running on fumes. It's not going to perform at its highest, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was going to say before, you mentioned, um, you know, about having great mentors. So I want you to speak to that because normally I ask people if they have a coach or a mentor that's invested into them, but you've made that clear. So I want to know how important or how essential has that been to your success? Like some people don't understand the importance of having a mentor. I did not. Let me just say this, the truth. I thought mentors was a crap of BS. Like I would see people (laughs) talking about that and Mm -hmm. I was like, Ew, I'm going to pay money for somebody to come and tell me how to live my life or do my thing. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I looked down upon that and I thought that, like, I didn't need a mentor. You know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. was just like a close-ended way of thinking. That was a way of, of, of not submitting to the universe, to God, mm-hmm. you know, because God sends people in your life. God sends people down your path to strengthen you yes, or to make your life better or to help you achieve goals 
that are in your future that you may not even know. And so I have had mentors that know they're my mentors and some that have no idea they're my mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I personally have a, one of my best friends is my mentor, uh, Zamani Thomas. He is a, an entertainment lawyer and he's mm-hmm. also um, like an intellectual property attorney. So he has shown me the value of my ideas and my content. He has showed me the value of myself and just through his own personal example like he doesn't share too much he doesn't give too much information Mm -hmm. unless you know it's in a very casual setting and it's not to do with business and he's taught me that anytime you divulge information or you share an idea you're giving away intellectual property you're giving away a multi-million dollar opportunity to somebody else and he has embedded this idea this code in me now that more your ideas are worth millions hoard them mm-hmm. hoard them and create like the infrastructure for people to pay you for your ideas and mm-hmm. that was also one of the reasons why I, I I was able to found my flight and co-company because I was like whoa that's so real like ideas are millions like our yeah. ideas our concepts are millions um another mentor that I have is Dr. Sabi and um you know, it's just the timing is so interesting of, of us having this conversation today, because as we all know, by the time this, I guess, goes live, it may not be as fresh to everybody, but um, we lost the brother um, Nipsey Hussle last night to tragically to gun violence. And it's so hurtful that um, he was taken by he was taken. And whether or not, you know, there's a conspiracy theory, there's a whole bunch of different, you know, narratives going on right now around how he was taken from us. Um, it was just so triggering for me when he died because I know that there was something so much bigger um, that he that was going to come out from his journey, from mm-hmm. his life, other than music. I know that he was going to do so much. And so it was so hurtful for me because it brought me back to um, 2016 when I, when, when I got the news that Dr. Sabi had been killed. So um, I had, you know, a very, very interesting experience. I met Dr. Sebi in person. I traveled to Usha Village, which is, which is in La Ceiba, um, Honduras. And I, I was able to actually be treated by him and his staff for uh, my thyroid and my fibroid conditions. And my experience was life-changing. Mm-hmm. I never thought in a million years, Nikini, that um, I could use food to heal myself. I, I it just it just didn't seem palatable, real realistic. It just it didn't seem I've, tangible. I mean, I have goosebumps as you say that because my father's a Rastafarian and he does not take pills. He does not believe in medication. Everything has to be natural and come from the earth. So I've been raised with the mindset that we, you know, we need to in order to heal ourselves, everything that we need, it's in the earth. You know, he can tell you the color. Yes. It's the colors of certain foods and what they can, can cure and what they can do and all those amazing things. And I didn't understand that until about a year and a half ago when I was struggling with my health issues and it was fruits and vegetables that, you know, got rid of all of my fibromyalgia symptoms and, you know, a list of other things. So yeah, continue. (laughs) Yeah. And like having an autoimmune disorder, like hypothyroidism is like debilitating. Like Mm -hmm. it just takes you out. It affects your mood. It makes you so depressed. And sometimes I still struggle with it. Like I would say, because my diet is not all the way um, alkaline and I kind of slip up here and there, 
um, I feel like I feel the changes in my body happening when I'm eating right and when I'm eating bad. And I feel like when I'm eating right, nothing can stop me. I feel Mm -hmm. no thyroid symptoms. I have all the energy in the world. Um, By the way, my fibroids are gone. Like, I don't even have one fibroid anymore. I'm going to go get tested again in a couple months. But, you know, I've lost lost a lot of weight. Like, physically, I feel better. I feel amazing. And he's just become like this, this mentor to me without even knowing, like, the impact that he has. And he just he just was just so giving of himself. This is a man that never had any formal education. You know what I mean? And he Mm -hmm. basically trained himself to understand the cellular makeup of the human body, especially of melanated people, so he could cure us and heal us from the inside out. So I honor him. I love him so much. And, oh, he's another mentor to me in my mind. Another mentor is like the Steve Jobs, the Warren Buffett, um, you know, there's mentors like Oprah Winfrey, of course, Shonda mm-hmm. Rhimes, Ava mm-hmm. DuVernay, all content creators who are very unapologetic about their ideas. Mm-hmm. The idea is the foundation of any business. You know what I mean? And yep. the fact that these people kind of resonate with me spiritually, um, economically, it's because they just had one idea and it was to fill a gap and they, they were able to do that successfully, successfully. So, um, yeah, those are my mentors. And I, I would say that they're all amazing people, including yourself. You're a mentor. Too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I love that you listed so many people because sometimes even when you say mentor to someone, they feel that, you know, they have to just connect with one person and get everything from that one person. But I have mentors in different areas of my life, you know, um, mm. mentor for business, mentor for spirituality, mentor for leadership. Like, you know what I mean? So I love that you listed that there are multiple people. And yes, it, it can be so people that you've never areas. met. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Our lives are, we have so many different areas. Like, McKinney, I've broken down my life into four quadrants, right? Like, mm-hmm. So healthcare is one because I love my healthcare and I love wellness and healing and all that. So another is um, intentional, unapologetic, you know, black excellence, which, Mm -hmm. you know, comes after she comes, you know, being a board of director on the Black Health Alliance comes like all these things that kind of make define me as a black woman and kind of validate my black womanhood existence. And then I have like this side of me that's so interested in finances and tech and innovation and how to kind of build generational wealth and create this legacy for us um, through my works and through works that I can help empower people to display. And then there's mm-hmm. like this whole other side of me that's like super big on spirituality, sensuality, um, travel, immersing myself in, in new experiences and things. And mm-hmm. different people will flow into those different webs of my life and be a mentor for me or be a guide for me in a way that is meaningful um, based on which specific area of my life I'm focusing, focusing on at that time. So if I'm really in my arts bag, I'm really in my like healthcare bag, or I'm really about my finances and really just thinking hard about like you know, this generational wealth piece and innovating content that can, that can outlive me. You know what I mean? That can be like willed to my future kids or my grandkids. I'm thinking about the Steve Jobs. I'm mm-hmm. reading up on articles that he said, or the, the things that Warren Buffett has imparted upon us. 
you know what I mean? Like those are the, those are the mentors that I draw to when I'm in those spaces in my mind. Love it. I love it. So Mm -hmm. I have a total random question. Okay. So I read this article. (laughs) (laughs) So I read this article and it breaks down how your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. And I mean, it's no surprise that I'm obsessed with stilettos, you know, hence the whole brand. I love it. (laughs) So my question to you, Amoy, is what is your favorite type of shoe? You know, is it a high heel boot? Is it a running shoe? Is it a clog? Is it a flip flop? Is it a wedge a stiletto a flat like what's your favorite type of shoe oh my gosh can I have two sure (laughs) okay so I just have to open my closet when you were talking about it because I'm like okay what do I have the most of I have a lot of high heels but I love the comfort of running shoes Mm -hmm. here's what Mm -hmm. I produce so I have to be on the ground I have to run around I have to maneuver through spaces sometimes cloggy things sometimes not so fun things but I like the, is that the, is the word dichotomy? I like the balance of being able to do dirty work mm-hmm. and then clean myself completely up and doll myself up in some high heels. Okay. So, so which one would you say is your primary sides. and then which one is your secondary? And I'll tell you. My primary is probably my running shoes. Running shoes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So running shoe fans are goal oriented. This is someone who's very confident, very goal oriented, and very well organized. They really illustrate mm-hmm. the idea of multitasking, taking care of everything, and being everywhere. Wow. That sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. For... That's an amazing article. Right? Uh, for women who love stilettos, um, the gist of it is that you you work hard and you have excellent taste. They have major drive, determination, and standout work ethic. This is someone who says yes before she says no. She's very willing and very open to possibilities. Wow. She also really loves mm-hmm. and values beauty, so she surrounds herself with beautiful, whether it's things, people, or how she lives. does not have to be expensive. It just has to be pleasing to the eye. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> okay. Are so, you a stiletto woman? I am definitely a stiletto woman. I started wearing heels when I was 18. And then I became mm-hmm. obsessed with them. And I could literally like run a marathon in them. And then a couple summers ago, I was trying to be a cool mom. And my daughter had, um, what do you call it? It's a longboard. It's like a long skateboard. <laughs> so I, I fell off my daughter's longboard and twisted my oh ankle my and ever since then I've never like I heels have not been the same I can wear them to an event and then I need to sit down or I can wear them sit to where I need to go and sit down but yeah my my love for stilettos it's more than just you know the beauty of how they look physically but you know they force you to walk with purpose you know I always talk about walking in faith wow. and you know all of those other things so there's a whole you know other meaning behind it for me but I think um, it's so beautiful thank you thank you you know one thing that I want to share with your audience mm -hmm. um that I just feel like so compelled to share it's on my heart so I don't know if you remember this because it's just it it may have just slipped like it may have just been so insignificant to me but it just showed me so much about you and your character I remember when it was after she two years ago I was running around scrambling and I think I had left my shoes in my car downstairs, um, the lower floor of the basement. And you were at my event backstage, Mm -hmm. your daughters were modeling and in the show. And 
I had no shoes and I had to go on the stage and I was going to go in <laughs> flip flops, I think, to just open up the show and say, everybody, welcome to Afro Chic, whatever. And you went into your bag and you, or actually you went, yeah, you went into your bag, took some shoes out of your bag, put them on and took the shoes off of your feet and gave it to me <laughs> so I could have shoes to walk in, in my show. And I don't know if you remember that, but you I didn't do. even know me and you just noticed that I had no shoes. Like, look at me, big, big producer bringing Jadena, bringing, you know, all these people have like, you know, 700 people here to see my show. And I was so busy that I forgot shoes. And this, this person who was just, you know, backstage, happened to be backstage, took off your shoes off of your feet and gave it to me to wear. Like, I've, I've never forgotten that. And like, I thank you so much for that. Cause You're like, welcome. That just shows your character it just shows your grace and how incredible uh, as a woman you are that, you know, let this other woman shine. She doesn't have any shoes right now. And the shoes were so dope. <laughs> Makini, I just thank you so much for that. I don't even know if you remember that. but um, I do. I do. I do. I, I will never forget that gesture. Uh, you know, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Um, I do remember. And I mean, sometimes I do things and I don't even think as I'm doing it, it's, it comes natural to me because that's how I was raised by my mom. My mom has mm. always been a very loving, giving person. And sometimes mm. we give our last. We, you know, we see somebody that needs help and we genuinely want to help. We're going to give you what we have. It's not even something that we have to think twice about. So, you know, I seen, like you said, you didn't have any shoes. And I remember it was my purple stilettos and they matched your outfit. <laughs> Wow! I I picked them off and said here you go yeah and I was just like okay who's gonna because I was gonna run downstairs but the show was starting late and I just thank you so much for that it just says so much this is a real deal woman right now everyone like I hope this is one of my um, my quotes that you do you know you do a quote yeah a real deal woman Thank you. Thank you. So before uh, before we get to the final um, segment of the show, I want you to, to share with everyone uh, where they can stay connected with you online. So my website is www.amoyhenry.com and my Instagram is amoyhenry. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Facebook. But yeah, you can email me at amoy at amoyhenry.com and, you know, depending on what you know your project is or what you're working on we can definitely have a conversation and I'm always open to exploring possibilities love it love it so because the show is usually 45 minutes long and we've been yapping for the interest of time the final segment (laughs) um I call it a walk in her stilettos where you just share um reflection questions um from your walk and I just ask a couple of random questions I think for the interest of time I'll ask you one or two and you just say the first thing that comes to mind okay if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it what would it say and why it would say create your world Mm, love it because I totally believe in manifestation (laughs) yeah we why because God didn't give us this life for nothing That's right. Final question. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five Mm. years? In the last five years, I've become better at saying no to negative talk, negative Mm. self-talk. I I find as as women, we can be the worst with negative self-talk, not realizing the impact that it has on 
us mentally, emotionally, and physically, and then the impact on how we show up in the world. So I think that's right. a great one. Thank you. Yeah. Somebody once said to me, they're like, speak about yourself the way you want others to speak about you. And I was like, whoa. And I, and I know without even thinking about it, I hear women do it all the time. Like, you know, if they stub their toe or they forget something like, oh, I'm so dumb or, oh, I'm so like, don't mm-hmm. say that to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's not how you would want yeah. someone to speak to you. Because right? your mind remembers it. Your soul remembers it. Exactly. Your your subconscious mind can't tell the difference between fact or fiction. So whatever you keep telling yourself in there, you know, you start to believe is truth. Absolutely. Well, Amoy, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us and coming on and sharing all of your gems and letting us take a walk in your stilettos. Thank you so much, Mikini. And thank you for creating this much needed platform for women. I just, I honor you and I thank you. I know that it is work to run a podcast. So I don't know if everybody ever, ever realizes or takes a moment to thank the podcast moderators because it's so <laughs> much work to edit it, to find the people, to develop the content, and to really frame the stories in a way that, you know, properly highlights the women. So thank you. Thank you for this selfless work that you're doing. Um, thank it's, you. it's changing thousands of women's lives every day. So God bless you. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I truly, truly believe that, Having all of you women come on and share your stories, not only is it inspiring me and helping me to grow and continue to move forward on my journey, but just getting the messages from from other women that are hearing and that listen on a weekly basis, you know, the different dynamic of, of women from, you know, the different industries that you're in, but yet the similarities that we all have and how they can resonate with your journey so they can feel you know that social proof so they can continue so thank you for being one of the beautiful bold women to come on um, and and share your story thank you thank you and to all of our listeners until next time download the awaka my stilettos app and subscribe to our newsletter at awakamystilettos.com and make sure you rate the podcast subscribe leave us a review like what did you think of amoy's journey what do you have to add any uh, tokens of inspiration what do you think about what she had to share join the conversation send us your feedback and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.